Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, we're looking at the threats to the world trading system in the wake of Donald Trump's visit to Asia. And joining me on the line from Washington is our world trade editor, Sean Donnan, and here in the studio, our economics commentator, Martin Sanbu. Sean, something kind of interesting happened in Asia, which was that the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which uh, Mr. Trump pulled America out of on his first day in office, big new trade deal, was revived, but without America. Was that unexpected? And how significant is it? It's incredibly significant. And it's something that we've been moving to slowly uh, since about the middle of, of, of the year, which is the 11 remaining uh, countries, and in particular Japan, uh, have been pushing to keep this deal alive. And that's, I mean, they spent almost a decade negotiating this thing. And the view of, of, uh, of, of Shinzo Abe is that he's spent a huge amount of political capital and he really needs this thing to, to, to keep living and, and, and keep going on. And that's echoed throughout uh, the Pacific Rim. You know, you hear that from Australia, you hear that from New Zealand, uh, Mexico, Chile, Peru, all the countries in the TPP that are really keen to, to keep this thing going. And uh, does it really make sense without America? Because I thought America, you know, world's largest or second largest economy, depending on how you calculate it, uh, was totally central to everybody's calculations in, in putting the thing together. Absolutely. So, it, it, I mean, the U.S., uh, the world's second largest or largest economy, depending on how you count, uh, really gave the thing scale. Uh, but Japan's still a big economy, uh, the world's third largest economy, and it is now the anchor uh, of the TPP. And if you're Canada and you are looking at your trading relationships, they've just concluded a, a deal with the EU that's gone into force. Uh, a deal with Japan is still pretty enticing. So, no, it's not the, the TPP that we talked about representing 40% of the global economy, thanks to the U.S. Instead, it's the TPP that represents about 30 13 percent of the global economy, but that's still significant. And the important thing is there's also a lot of countries that have been thinking about still joining, uh, countries like South Korea, the Philippines, uh, Indonesia have all talked about joining. Uh, Colombia, a member of the Pacific Alliance, has flirted with the idea of joining at some point. So this thing can get bigger still. Mm, Maybe Britain should join. Uh, Martin, How much of a game changer, nonetheless, is the advent of Donald Trump to the White House? Because he is the first American president I can remember who is openly suspicious of of global trade. I think it's clearly a a game changer for the U.S. and for the U.S.'s role in the global trading system and the economic liberal order in general. I think it looks like it may be less of a game changer for the world as a whole than we had reason to fear uh, a year ago. Uh, And what we see, basically, what this TPP at 11 is an illustration of is that the rest of the world, and Sean has written very well about this, is very keen to keep globalizing, and they have good reasons for that. The developing world, emerging countries, they want to keep globalizing because globalization has, on the whole, been great for them. It's made them, if not rich, then richer than they were, taking them out of poverty. We we throw around this figure of, of about a billion people lifted out of poverty, largely on the back 
uh, of trade-driven industrialization in poor countries. The second reason is that most countries that don't have a leader uh, like Trump realize that the sort of anti-globalization mantra uh, is a bit, it's, it's sort of snake oil. It's not going to solve the problems of the left behind. Uh, and that's why they're not going to give up on it. Uh, and the third thing is that people see, and the TPP issue uh, illustrates this, that if you're the one country that doesn't go along with further globalization when other do it, others do it, then you lose out. And that's even true for the biggest economy in the world, the U.S. So in TPP, you see now that Australian and New Zealand farmers, for example, will have access to the Japanese agriculture market that American farmers wanted to have and will now continue to be excluded from, right? So it's not just that the U.S. isn't advancing. It's in relative terms falling behind in terms of market access. I mean, you also see in the TPP, they tweaked it a bit and they removed some of the things that the U.S. had pushed for. Sean will know more about this, but I think on intellectual property protection, for example, where U.S. Uh, IP industry was very strongly insistent on protections, patent, and so on. Uh, so... A lot of this um, is actually making Trump, paradoxically, look a bit like a loser. Mm. And I think other countries are drawing the lessons from that. And yet uh, Trump himself doesn't seem uh, likely to, to pull back from his agenda. And Sean, I guess, the, well, there are two big things to watch. Let's take them one by one. What's happening with NAFTA? Is it really under threat now? So NAFTA is absolutely under threat. Uh, they are uh, this week starting a fifth round of a of the renegotiations of NAFTA that that, that Donald Trump launched. Uh, they took a month off, and they took a month off mainly because the U.S. had come with these radical proposals uh, to make uh, NAFTA renewable every five years. Uh, the issue, put a sunset clause in there uh, to put some requirements in NAFTA that half of cars produced in North America be actually produced in the United States, stuff that the Canadians and the Mexicans just aren't going to go along with. But the way this all ties in with the TPP uh, example is that both Canada and Mexico are members of the TPP. And if you talk to people in Washington, uh, in, in the business community, in the agricultural community, they say, we've got a real problem here. If NAFTA collapses, there's a very real possibility that both Canada and Mexico Oh, sorry, that Japan and the EU will have better access to the Canadian and the Mexican markets, i.e. our neighbors, than the U.S. will. And that is, you know, that is the, exactly what Martin is talking about, that risk of, of the U.S. falling behind. There's another thing which is just a, a kind of strategic uh, uh, idea that, that Donald Trump has, that he can do better for the United States in bilateral deals. That's the, the idea that he took to Asia, that he could negotiate a better one-on-one -on -one deal with Japan than the Obama administration was able to in the TPP. The problem that, that, that Donald Trump has with that idea is no one wants to sit down on the other side of the table, and that's largely because they're watching the NAFTA negotiations and seeing how belligerent the U.S. is being in those negotiations. And... Uh Martin, then the, behind all of these uh, regional and sub-regional agreements, there is the WTO, which is the, the World Trade Organization. Yet it seems like uh, after an initial sense that maybe Trump wouldn't take it on, like, like he might be intent on doing it some damage. Uh, well, th there is uh, there is talk of the U.S. Uh, having an intention to sabotage the workings of the WTO, specifically the sort of dispute settlement part of the WTO, the arbitration uh, tribunal, uh, because they are refusing to nominate a new judge when uh, the current judge's terms expire. So there's 
there's talk or there's a fear that the U.S. is trying to, without kind of actively withdrawing or anything, just make the whole thing unworkable. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, and, and I hope Sean will, will chip in and, and tell us how that's going. Um, more generally, I think we need to acknowledge that the WTO, to some extent, is we shouldn't just think about it as a way to liberalize trade further, but as an accomplishment of past waves of trade liberalization. Tariffs are sort of reasonably low across the board for most goods all around the world. Now, pretty much every country is a member of the WTO. There's sort of a very liberal baseline uh, of trade. So the slowdown in trade we've seen, or we saw after the crisis, uh, it looks to me like it had more to do. It was more cyclical. It was because the world economy was so sluggish. Advanced economies in particular had stopped investing, and a lot of trade is actually uh, in capital goods trade. So if we're starting to see a strong recovery in rich countries, and that's what it's looking like, we should probably expect that trade to pick up too. So in a sense, we have a good framework in place. It would take a lot to damage it. Mm. What do you think, Sean? Are you reasonably sanguine about the WTO, even in the Trump era? No, I'm not. Um, I'm, I think there's uh, some really alarming uh, stuff going on. And as is always the case with the WTO, it's happening in, in slow motion. I mean, the, the, uh, the Trump administration can do a lot of damage simply by benign neglect. Uh, if you will, and it's uh, not so benign, uh, I guess. The uh, the point that Martin was raising about about the appointment of judges, the, this is, has to do with the appellate body of, of the WTO, which was seven full-time judges who were appointed from all over the world. Uh, they serve uh, terms uh, and four-year terms, I believe. Uh, they s- tend to serve two in a, in, in a row, uh, and two of them uh, have had their terms expire, so you're down to five judges. By uh, Next month, a third uh, will go, you're down of four judges uh, by September next year, you you you, you fall to to three judges, and that's an important number because uh, it takes three judges to form a, a panel that hears these appeals. And the three judges you're going to be left with are one from China, one from India, and one from the United States, all of whom are the countries that represent arguably the majority of the trade disputes that are heard there, and all of which, are, uh, simply by their nationality, are, are going to raise questions about the uh, about the, the lack of bias uh, in the system. The dispute settlement function of the WTO, that, that, that role as a, as a global referee. That's the whole reason the WTO and its establishment in the mid-1990s was so important. Before that, you had these kind of one-on-one uh, trade wars that were being waged all over the world, the U.S. against Japan, the EU against the U.S., uh, and so on. And you had no one in the middle, no neutral arbiter to kind of blow the whistle and say, you know, back in your box. Um, and, and that's what the WTO has been doing. You lose that, and you start moving much more down the path of, 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 of potential trade wars. Now, Donald Trump clearly doesn't like the WTO because the WTO has been blowing the whistle on the United States a, a fair amount in in, uh, in recent years, mainly uh, uh, in, in the area of anti-dumping uh, cases where the U.S. is particularly aggressive. So, you know, he wants to be liberated to do the kind of hard trade measures uh, that he wants to do. And if he doesn't have the WTO in the picture, um, that's going to help him do that. Just to be clear, he's sabotaging this, or the Trump administration is, by just blocking the appointment of these crucial appellate judges. Absolutely. So the WTO o- operates by consensus. It has 164 members, any one of which can, can, can block proceedings uh, simply by, by refusing to, to, to sign off on something. 
And briefly, Martin, putting my parochial British hat on. Kind of interesting, isn't it, when the Brexiteers' argument is, well, we can always fall back on WTO rules if the WTO itself is in a state of decrepitude. Now, that's a good point. Uh, I, I think we could also mention the uh, one of the other possible sort of post-Brexit solution. People talk about joining NAFTA. Well, if NAFTA unravels, there's not much to... Maybe we just become a Pacific nation. Um, but... I'd just like to get to close a sense from both of you of where you think we are sort of uh, politically with with the world trade system. Because on the one hand, um, you do have TPP going forward. The WTO is still just about there. World trade is continuing to grow. On the other hand, I could point to you to at least four things where politics is now getting in the way of world trade. We've touched on two of them. Trump, obviously. Brexit is another, which would, could have significant implications for trade in Europe. But 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 there are others too. I mean, the sanctions on Russia um, and the way that China was throwing its weight around with South Korea and suddenly discriminating against South Korean companies. Do you get the sense that the sort of political consensus that supported globalization is, is crumbling in important ways or, or not? Uh, Sean first. So I, it's certainly being challenged, uh, and it's been challenged here in, in, in the US. But one of the the striking things over the last year is just as we've seen countries move ahead with the TPP is how uh, we've discovered just how pro-trade Republicans in Congress are and just how powerful the uh, the business and agricultural lobbies are uh, here in the United States. Uh, so there's a check in the system on on kind of Donald Trump's protectionist instincts. So, uh, you know, the, the war uh, against the system that Donald Trump is, is waging uh, is is really only just getting started. And there's some good signs that there's there's people here in the U.S. who want to block him that. Is the, is the trade is system uh, globally under threat? Absolutely. Uh, is it going to crumble? I don't think so. Martin? Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than, than Sean. I think the various issues you've, you've mentioned are obviously challenges to free trade, but I don't think they are putting the whole system in doubt. They're kind of ripples on the surface, except for Trump, where there's a real risk that he may actually just want to isolate the U.S. Uh, but for the reasons that Sean pointed out, I'm not sure that that's what the U.S. will do, partly because he's not the only player, partly because business interests are now becoming more vocal about what they stand to lose out. And he depends on some of those interests. He, he is, whatever else he is, he's also a politician, although a strange kind of one. So I think it may be that the U.S. doesn't isolate itself as much as we may fear. If it does, I think the rest of the world is still, as I said, pretty committed to globalization and a liberal global economic order. So the big question is going to be if the U.S. pulls out, given that the system has been built around the U.S. as the anchor, can the rest of the world kind of put together the remaining pieces and keep the system functioning? Okay, well, it's a big question to watch in the coming weeks and months. So thank you for the moment, however, very much to Martin Sandbu here in the studio, to Sean Donnan in Washington. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.